Hi guys, welcome back to another podcast and to XU University Business Week. Today I'm joined with Joseph Busatil, who is the Director General of uh, the Malta Association of Credit Management, as well as the President of the Federation of European Credit Management Associations. He's also a member of the Chartered Institute of Marketing, as well as, the fe- as, well as a Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Credit Management. Joseph is also an international business trainer and coach. Thank you for uh, jumping on this podcast today, Joseph. We've we've had a uh, you know some Wi-Fi troubles, but all seems to be okay now. Um, can I? So I've read I've read your articles, and you've mentioned a lot about new business norms and market realities. Can you can you tell us a little uh, bit about that, and maybe also go into detail within specific in, in industries about these new business norms and market realities? Yeah, first of all, thank you, Max, and thank you for the listeners. Um, um, basically, the new norms are less commuting and traveling for business, more virtual meetings, as we're doing uh, now. Uh, although it saves time and money. Um, we are keeping physical distances. We are working on uh, more on teleworking, but most importantly, businesses should evaluate a number of uh, of points. First of all, are the businesses still feasible and makes economic sense following this crisis? That's question number one that they have to ask. Another question: Are the core business activities? of any organization still in demand by customers. So if not, or if not so, do we need to rebrand, to reposition, or to differentiate our products and services? Another question that I ask, is there a need to divert, uh, sorry, to divest? Um, I mean, sell, sell part of the business or closing off part of the business? However, one has to be, care- one has to be uh, careful about this and has to ask himself, how will this affect the competitiveness of my organization in the near future? Another question which businesses should ask, do we need more financing? Is our cash flow healthy to support another wave, for example, of COVID-19 in the near future? Another question, if employees were laid off recently, do we still have adequate skills and competencies in order to compete efficiently and effectively? These are all questions that every organization, in my opinion, should ask now that a number of countries, and uh, especially in Europe, are... um, uh, uh, they are they are currently they are currently lifting off uh, measures uh, regarding regarding COVID nineteen. So it is important that these new norms will be tackled and will be asked so that they will be functional once again. How do you strike an effective balance between protecting yourself as a creditor uh, by minimizing risk but also not losing market share? Yeah. Um, this is a very important question because trade creditors should obviously protect their their cash flow, uh, whereas they also need to 
um, uh, protect their market share and continue granting and extending credit to customers. We're talking here both business to business and business to consumer. The difference uh, nowadays due to uh, this unprecedented um, crisis is that now we are facing not only uh, a financial crisis or an economic crisis, but we are here talking about a health crisis as well. Therefore, we have to keep in mind that when we negotiate with our customers, we are negotiating with people. So there is the human element uh, in all our communication now. And therefore, we, th there has to be more empathy. We have to understand our customers. Probably the customer that we are talking to, um, I don't know, maybe has uh, uh, had coronavirus himself or uh, some of his uh, relatives had contracted coronavirus or uh, somebody may have also um, uh, may have also uh, died due to coronavirus. Therefore, we have to be empathetic. We have to be careful how we communicate. The crux of it all, uh, in order to, um, uh, to communicate with our customers regarding uh, collection of our dues, is negotiation. It is a period where the credit professional or the credit practitioner should have very good negotiation skills. Today, we have to negotiate, we have to uh, learn, we have to understand customers' needs, and we have to reschedule an, an, a, a repayment program for our customers. Therefore, negotiation is extremely important. It has to be a win-win uh, negotiation agreement between uh, the trade creditors and the customers. What's the best credit policy and strategy for cash collection for highly geared and inadequately capitalized companies in, in, in a crisis like, like today's? Um, this is a very tricky question because uh, by now, if a company or an organization um, uh, was not adequately capitalized or lacked sound cash flow, probably it is already out of business. And if it is not already out of business, it will soon be. Yeah. However, the best thing that these undercapitalized companies should do is to uh, literally try to find some funds. If they find some funds, uh, these companies should be identified prior to granting them credit. And company accounts should help to identify the financial position of these companies before COVID-19. Because uh, obviously nowadays, um, the story is totally different. But at least you would know whether these companies were adequately capitalized before COVID-19. Um, as you put the question, um, obviously these companies have to inject uh, fresh capital. Otherwise, they will be, if not already, they will be out of business sooner or later. Yeah. Um, so how has credit management technology changed and how do you think it will change in the future if it does? I would, um, uh, I would say that there are three ways that 
uh, organizations are using technology when it comes to credit management. First of all, uh, the automation of the internal processes. Um, uh, and this is very good because we are automating uh, the routine, the daily, the day-to-day -day routine, um, the day-to-day -day routine duties. So this is a step in the right direction because it saves time. Um, uh, it lowers costs uh, for the organization. It increases efficiency and it also allows the credit practitioner to focus more on customers' needs. And these customers' needs are changing rapidly. Therefore, it is important for the credit practitioner to focus more on more complex situations, on more complex tasks. For example, solving disputes with customers. Yeah. Then technology is also used when um, uh, organizations are deploying these self-service platforms, I call them. Uh, self-service platforms, I refer to those platforms that organizations are deploying for customers to be able to access uh, their data, their accounts, their invoices, there and then having a username and a password. So securely they can log into the system of the organizations and they can literally retrieve any information or any transaction that has been uh, done between the customer and the supplier 24 by 7. In business to consumers, there are certain platforms that customers would also be able to choose their own payment terms and payment arrangements when buying on credit. Um, but the organizations have to ask a question here. Is it good that we use these self-service platforms which are reducing, in a way, uh, the interaction between the organization and the customer? Well, it all depends upon the products that we are selling, upon the organization that we are talking about. If we are referring to a trade creditor, to a supplier, granting credit to a fragmented small individuals, I would say, yes, go ahead. But if we are talking about large companies, if we are talking about business-to-business -business, um, uh, transactions involving huge amount of money, I would say, be careful, because human intervention is still critical, in my opinion. We don't communicate with our customers, we may lose. The third way that credit de departments are uh, using technology is uh, big data. We are hearing about big data everywhere, and it also applies to credit management because using big data, uh, trade creditors can identify risks associated with credit. And uh, when I am talking about identifying credit risk, this is important for two main reasons. One, to identify the credit worthiness of our potential customer. Therefore, we need information prior to granting credit to customer. And also to monitor the credit worthiness of our existing customers. Therefore, this big data, these huge um, uh, machines which are which are um, uh, 
dealing with this big data, they are providing information which is invaluable to uh, credit uh, to the credit function in these two very important aspects. One, prior to granting credit and also to monitor our existing clients. So uh, as financial data now, uh, it could now be obsolete considering economies, markets and business conditions are deteriorating and, and very much changing. Uh, how do you credibly and reliably analyze credit worthiness of businesses? Again, this is a very important question to ask. Well done, Max. Um, uh, today, we are dealing with companies or we are dealing with individuals or organizations which were or may have been um, creditworthy or which uh, we used to refer to them as very good companies uh, since last February. Not now unfortunately. So, as you rightly put your question, in these past few weeks, a lot has been changing and a lot has changed. Um, and therefore, we have to be careful because financial data of these companies literally are obsolete and irrelevant. We should, however, go to and analyze the uh, financial statement of these companies just to make sure that before COVID-19, these companies were adequately capitalized and they had sound cash flow. That's all. However, today, in order to grant credit, you don't, you should, you should uh, also analyze their industries, how their industries were affected due to coronavirus. And therefore, we have to analyze not only the uh, prospective customer, but also the industry that this customer is coming from. We should also uh, analyze the market of, your, uh, of this customer uh, or prospective customer. Who are the customers of your customer? Were they affected? If they were, were they hard hit? These are all questions which we need to ask now. Um, and some of uh, the credit rating companies are in fact doing in addition to uh, the, 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 the normal credit, uh, credit score or the normal credit rating report that they used to, to publish. They are going into industry, uh, industry um, uh, analysis today because it is very important. Uh, let's say, let's take Horika for example, the hotels and and uh, restaurants and bars. These were all closed down. So, <laughs> would you grant credit uh, to a Horika organization today? Um, it's, a, it's, it's a question mark. It's a, it's a big dilemma. Um, I would say yes, if they were uh, well, well or adequately capitalized before, before COVID-19 and if they, had, if they have uh, plans, um, strategic plans in place for the near future and also for the long term. 
So in that case, yes. But if I'm talking to a restaurant or a small bar around the corner, um, I would, I would um, uh, consider much more than that. And uh, I will switch on the red light. How has the EU regulated credit? And do you think it needs reform post COVID-19? Um, Max, the European Commission has already been um, uh, working on revising the regulations pertaining to credit management prior to COVID-19. And I'm sure it will continue to do that. Um, when we're talking about uh, regulations on credit management, I would, um, uh, I would separate, them, separate them in, in two uh, main main uh, regulations or, or legislation. First of all, there is the Consumer Credit Directive, and secondly, there is the Late Payment Directive. The Consumer Credit Directive uh, pertains to individuals when individuals are uh, requesting credit or loans, and the Late Payment Directive when it comes to business to business transactions. Um, let's start with the Consumer Credit Directive. And I'm referring here to the Directive 2010-48-EC. This directive was in place um, uh, to protect consumers, basically, when they are buying on credit. For example, the credit agreement should be transparent, should be in writing. Consumers should know um, uh, of any charges and interest involved in credit on, at, at the onset of the, of the uh, of the agreement. Trade creditors should protect consumers by analyzing the creditworthiness of customers prior to granting them credit. Uh, customers were allowed or are allowed to cancel agreement, credit agreements within 14 days and also to repay credit at any time, to repay them back to the, to the supplier. However, the, anon the anomaly here is that GDPR limits data which the suppliers need to analyze the creditworthiness of individuals. When it comes to the late payment directive, which was revised uh, in 2011, in fact, I'm referring to the directive 2011-7EU, um, uh, relates when or refers to when there is business-to-business -business transactions uh, in order to protect businesses from being paid late by their customers. For example, public authorities uh, should pay their trade creditors within 30 days. Otherwise, they have to pay interest. In business-to-business -business transactions, for example, they have to pay within 60 days unless expressly agree otherwise uh, between the two parties. And provided it is not deemed as grossly unfair to the creditor. I am quoting the, the directive here. The interest rate should, an 8% interest rate should apply plus the ECB reference rate. So today the reference rate, the European Central Bank reference rate is zero. But let's say it is 2%. Therefore, the interest rate would be 8% plus 2% uh, ECB reference rate, which is 10%. But now it is 0%. And uh, a, a trade creditor, the, uh, a trade creditor has a minimum, has an option of charging a minimum of 40 euro 
as a compensation for, recover, for the recovery costs. But if the recovery costs are more than 40 euros, let's say they uh, end up with uh, having a recovery cost of 100 euros, yes, they can also uh, charge those 100 euros uh, to, their, to, their, to their customers. Okay. However, this legislation, these, these directives are being, once again, um, revised by the European Commission. <clears throat> um, uh, and I'm sure that the European Commission will be in a position to um, uh, issue or to publish further legislation. And they will take into consideration, for sure, uh, COVID-19 and this, this pandemic crisis. How this uh, this is a you know an incredibly big question, but how how can the EU sort out its debt level? So you know often Sorry, in a downturn, yeah. um, debt is cancelled and restructured. And uh, I saw Mario Draghi and Christian Lagarde have been ha have had opposing views on this matter, with Lagarde saying that it's unthinkable to cancel debt. Um, what would be the best way for the EU to keep the economy going uh, as well as reduce its debt most effectively and steadily? Well, I, I, I'm no economist, Max, but uh, as a credit uh, practitioner, as a credit professional, uh, first of all, we have to understand what we are talking about. We are talking about 80% debt of the EU GDP, which is a very high, um, uh, which is a very high percentage. Um, this debt is owned by a number of European banks. I definitely agree that it should not be um, uh, bailed out in any way. However, uh, your question also asked uh, how we should reduce this debt. It is, uh, it is very complex. Yeah. But Really, governments reduce their debt by uh, reducing their government spending. They uh, they have raised pension age, uh, including in the UK. They have increased uh, taxes and uh, value-added tax bailouts. Um, however, I am always in favour of economic growth. Um, in my opinion, the European Union is not doing enough, and when I'm saying to the European Union, I'm saying to the EU uh, member states, they are not doing enough when it comes to uh, being more competitive in the market. Um, I would suggest uh, to invest more in research and development. In fact, the last statistics that uh, the European Union has issued or has published uh, the R&D, the, the percentage uh, of R&D um, within the European Union is only 2%. And if we had to compare that with the Japanese, um, uh, with the Japanese statistics, uh, Japan is currently uh, investing 3% in research and development of its GDP. In fact, the European Union, the target of the European Commission for Research and Development is in fact 3%. But we are still lacking behind that. If we had to invest more in research and development, uh, we would produce more innovation, 
Um, and we should also be producing added value products and uh, which would stimulate further demand for uh, our core products and services. Uh, therefore, in my opinion, economic growth is the best way to reduce uh, debt um, uh, and given the high salary structure in the EU, which makes us a bit uncompetitive in a way, because the European Union is competing with um, India, for example, or China, uh, having very low salary structure, not like us. Therefore, we have to focus on innovation, and innovation needs more investment in research and development. I saw a while ago that Lagarde mentioned uh, risk sharing through joint debt issuance via something called Corona bonds. Um, and I was just wondering if uh, companies can also share risk, uh, you know, between each other or not. Um, yes. Um, as regards uh, companies, whether they can share their risk, there is, they, there is a mechanism already in place, um, which has been in place for a number of years now, uh, credit insurance. So they can insure practically their uh, trade, their commerce, and uh, when there is a risk of non-payment, non, uh, non uh, the insurance uh, comes in very, very uh, helpfully. Uh, therefore, I would say, yes, there is a mechanism where this risk sharing, uh, as, as, uh, as you put it, uh, can be can be um, uh, can be done, but it's not literally risk sharing. But you are insuring your credit rather than risk sharing. But it's a mechanism which it's which is working, which has has been working. And uh, yes, I would promote uh, credit insurance to trade creditors. Yes.